Instituto. Good evening. It's January 14th, 2021 on this Thursday. Welcome to another edition of the Rest Stop. My name is Brad Restituto. You can follow me on Twitter at Brad the Believer, on Instagram at Brad the Believer, and make sure that you download the Twitch app. Go to Landry Football Conference, call the Rest Stops underneath there. And if you miss any part of the show live on Twitch or on Twitter or on my Facebook channel, make sure you download the podcast version on iTunes, Google. Spotify, Audio Boom, Search Landry Football Conference Call, and the rest stop will be underneath there. We got a sports laden packed show for you today. Really heavy with sports. We didn't get a chance to hit NFL and football in the last show, barely touched national title game. So we'll go heavy NFL playoffs tonight. Hoping to join us for a few minutes, Matt Humans from VSIN, uh, Vegas Stats and Information Network. He's host for My Guys in the Desert in the afternoon there. And you can check out VSIN on iHeartRadio. Or you can go to vcin.com and check out the programming there. Matt's a great host, also lead editor for vcin, and uh, has some strong takes for NFL playoffs. So we'll try to go at it with uh, the Buffalo Bills-Baltimore Ravens matchup, because I think we may be on the different side of that one. So that should be fun. Stay tuned for that. Spencer the Wiz joins me, as always. Follow him on Twitter, at Spencer the Wiz. We've got the rest of the playoff rundown to go by. Of course, the big trade in the NBA, 14 deal, James Harden ends up in Brooklyn, and after last – it was actually Tuesday. We were on the show live after the Houston Rockets got dismantled by the Lakers, and Harden came out in the press conference pretty much threw his entire team under the bus. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about how the Rockets responded tonight with every man down. Yes, your man, the believer, was high on the Rockets' money line just for the simple fact that the psychology for a professional athlete, one of the best players in the league, your former teammate, calls you out, throws you under the bus – questions your talent, questions your character, and pretty much everything in between. How do you not come out with one of the most spirited performances of the season? And they did that tonight, and they got a four-point victory on the road against the San Antonio Spurs. So nice job by the Rockets. Former UNLV men's basketball uh, coach um, or men's basketball player, uh, Christian Wood. Big night tonight for Houston as they got the win. So nice job. Uh, by the Houston Rockets tonight. Spence, let's jump into this trade here uh, with James Harden and the Houston Rockets and the Brooklyn Nets. After what happened Tuesday, it was no question that uh, something had to be done. He wasn't going to be welcomed back in the locker room over there in in Houston. It probably would have got physical if he would have shown back up. Less than 24 hours into it, they, they were able to pull the strings with everyone, and uh, they got the deal done. James Harden is now a Brooklyn net and on paper, the optics look like this team could score. How's this going to work out as a whole for Brooklyn? I mean, the odds here in Vegas moved quickly to Brooklyn now being the favorite in the Eastern conference to win it all. Uh, Do you agree with that? And what are your thoughts on the trigger being pulled by the Rockets and the Nets? Yeah. Well, I don't think the trade is uh, technically finalized yet. There's apparently there's some issue between the Victor Oladipo and Karis Levert. So the details around that, I guess, are uh, still being talked about. But in principle, of course, the trade has been done. He is going to Brooklyn one way or another. Uh, but 
I mean, there's there's a lot to think about here uh, when it goes uh, with this trade. I mean, James Harden does obviously, uh, you know, get his wish. He gets to go to the team that he wants to. Whether or not they should have rewarded him for that, I don't know. But I guess at the end of the day, when you get, I think it's three first-round picks and then pick swaps. So if anyone doesn't know, pick swaps go. Uh, to, so if the Rockets had a uh, worse draft pick, I guess, or a better draft pick, they would swap uh, with Brooklyn and get a better one. So they're technically not giving up seven first-rounders. Really, it's only three. And uh, you would expect, obviously, Brooklyn to be better every time. So most likely those pick swaps are not going to be uh, going on most of the time. But uh, other than that, I mean, you know, I think – Getting rid of Victor Oladipo is certainly, I don't know, questionable. He is on the last year of his deal, so maybe the Pacers just didn't want to pay him. Maybe they wanted to deal with it at a later time because Karis Levert does still have two years left on his contract. To me, those guys are pretty comparable, to be honest with you. I know Victor Oladipo did have that injury, but he seemed to be playing pretty highly up here to start the season. Uh, but you do get a cheap deal. I think it's 16 or $17 million for Karis Levert for the next two years. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to talk about Brooklyn just for a quick second, obviously, the idea is there's only one ball, right? But uh, I'm not really accepting that argument per se because we said that about Kevin Durant going to the Warriors. Oh, there's only one ball, Steph Curry, you know, Kevin Durant, Clay. Uh, but they made it work out, and they made it work out, you know, pretty historically, obviously. Didn't end up staying for a very long time. Wasn't a dynasty, but when they were there for the two years, it uh, it stayed, and it was really good. Now, the only problem with that is you got to play defense at some point. That's the argument that I'm looking to hear for. Kyrie Irving is not a ball stopper for sure. We know James Harden is one of the laziest defenders maybe in NBA history for how good he is. Uh, and then who's going to be the leader of the team? That's the other question when it comes to this. I mean, you got Kyrie Irving. Uh, Kevin Durant should be the leader, but James Harden just had a like a hissy fit. I mean, uh, over uh, nothing basically because he wanted to leave. Is he just going to bow down to Kevin Durant? After he kind of lived on the bench in OKC, how is he going to feel after that? They should supposedly are friends, but so are Kyrie and KD, and now their relationship is a little muddied. So, yeah, Spence, he's going to have to bow down to Kevin Durant. James Harden looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy. He's about thirty-five pounds overweight. He's not even close to being in basketball shape. Uh, and after him throwing his teammates under the bus, how's everyone else? on that Brooklyn team going to look at this guy who's publicly going to do that to his teammates. Uh, the optics already look bad. He carried COVID into the strip club and into his team the first week of the season. I don't care how good of a scorer this guy is. He's a, he's a jackass off the court up to this point. And so is Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant is the clear leader of this team and they better follow in line uh, because look, the starting lineup optically looks great. You have Joe Harris who can shoot the lights out of it. DeAndre Jordan, who's still can be a rim protector and a rebounder. And James Harden is a great facilitator. He's tied in the top three in the league in assists, and that's going to be his role in this offense. And I think he's going to embrace that because I think both of these guys know uh, that they are not the leader of this team and people are not going to follow these two. Uh, James, Hart James Harden's got to get in basketball shape and he he's got to contribute. Um, I think Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni, um, Jock Vaughn, the staff of the Nets, they cannot be afraid uh, to sit these guys down or not play them a much if they're not going to gel correctly because you still have talent on this team, even though Allen and Dinwiddie's out for the year and then you traded away Torian Prince. I mean, 
Look, Kevin Durant is the clear, in a way, leader of this team, and he's going to have to lead not only on and off the court, and everyone else is going to have to defer to him. Uh, we'll talk more about this trade, but let me not keep him waiting any longer, adding uh, to the conversation. We're going to talk some NFL football. He is a host of My Guys in the Desert on VEASAN, Vegas Stats and Information Network here in Las Vegas, also lead editor of VEASAN. Matt Humans, Matt, thanks for uh, taking a few minutes to talk some football with me while you're out on the town in Las Vegas. Hey, Brad, uh, good to be on with you, buddy. The uh, sound is a little bit choppy here, so I can't hear everything you're saying, but uh, you want to talk some NFL, right? Yeah, we definitely want to talk some NFL football. And uh, as we're going about it here, Matt, I want to start off with a game, of course, that I'm going to be following very closely. Uh, I've given away my allegiance to the Minnesota Vikings. I am now a diehard Buffalo Bills fan. And uh, I don't know if you can see it here on the, on the screen, but we have uh, the Buffalo Bills going in full effect here to the right-hand side. But they've got an interesting matchup in the divisional round this week. They're at home taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Uh I, I think we're on different sides here, Matt. I, I'm definitely uh, one of the cheerleaders for the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. You're not quite sold yet on uh, Josh Allen coming into this weekend. Yeah, we, we probably are different, on different sides. I knew you would be on the Bills. I had zero doubt you would be on the Bills. Uh, last week, I was on the Colts. I, I really thought the Colts were going to beat the Bills straight up. And uh, a big reason was the uh, Bills' run defense, which went into that game as a 17th-ranked run defense in the league, allowing 120 yards a game. I thought the Colts were going to run the ball, kind of control the clock, keep um, Josh Allen off balance a little bit in that game, and have a chance to win it in the fourth quarter. I did take the seven points with the Colts, but, uh, hey, give the Bills credit. Josh Allen made a couple great plays at the end of the first half. I thought kind of swung that game. The Colts squandered a lot of opportunities, had a first and goal inside the uh, five, couldn't score, missed a short field goal, jumped off the sides on fourth down. They uh, they missed a lot of opportunities. I think yeah, Matt, you're right. But if, if you're looking at a team that I think's built to possibly beat the Bills, it's the Baltimore Ravens because they got the number one rushing offense in the NFL, and they got a quarterback who can kind of uh, stretch the defense uh, with – uh, his threat, his ability to uh, his run to run the ball, and he's a dual threat quarterback. But the Ravens can run the ball right at you, and they have a defense that can kind of handle. I don't say anybody's going to shut down Stephon Diggs and the Bills' receivers, but the Bills, the, the Ravens do have a defense that's capable of handling the Bills' receivers. I think it's going to be a great matchup. I'm, I'm struggling. I, I did take the Ravens plus two and a half. I might put the Ravens on a teaser, too. I think this is going to be a field goal game either way. And, Brad, one thing a lot of people forget about the Ravens, they have one of the great secret weapons in the NFL, and that's Justin Tucker, who's the best long-range kicker in the league. Uh, I think Buffalo is – it's just my sense. I could be wrong. I think Buffalo is a year away from being a team that can win the AFC and get to the Super Bowl. I think people may be a little bit ahead – of the curve here on the Buffalo Bills. I think the Ravens win this game and advance to uh, Kansas City. Uh, but they are the, the one team that can run the ball at you. And defensively, they have the weapons to kind of slow down the Bills. So, yeah, I do like the matchup for Baltimore. Matt, uh, here's the thing. Not every team has their best stuff week in and week out. And I don't think Buffalo top to bottom had their best stuff last week. And if I'm going to be completely honest, Brian Dable has been disappointing to me in the last month of this season. I think he's one of the most predictable coordinators in the entire league. And you've got to be able to keep a defense like Baltimore off balance. And if he comes out 
in the shotgun and wants to throw the ball three out of four downs, timing and timeout, Buffalo is going to have a hard time winning this game. He's got to show the creativity that he's shown in the past. He's got to commit to a little bit of a running game with the running backs. I know they're very reliant on Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, but if you do that against a Wink Martindale, John Harbaugh defense, uh, it's not going to be great for Josh Allen. I go back to that Pittsburgh game in the first half and Dable and Josh Allen, they go back to pass 90% of the time and Buffalo could not get out of the gates in that Pittsburgh game in the first half. If it weren't for that interception, changing the momentum, uh, that could end it differently. And Buffalo really took from there and they moved forward, propelled the rest of the season. I think I don't care about all your nerd stats and analytics, DVOA, third down conversion, all that's bull crap. Here's what's going to come down to. If the turnover differential stays within two either way, the Buffalo Bills have to run the ball to their running backs 15 times or more. If they do that, they will win. If they don't do that, they will lose. And not to be slept on, the Buffalo Bills kicker, I believe his name's Bass, Tyler Bass, he's been nails the last month of the season. So I agree with you. I think this may be turning out to be one of the games of the weekend, but I I love Buffalo being at home in their element. And I think the same way that the Baltimore Ravens, they want to send the house on Josh Allen and force him to make big plays under pressure. I think that the Buffalo Bills defensively have got to commit to stopping the run. I don't care if it's putting nine guys in the box and putting Tredavious White on Hollywood Brown. Make Lamar Jackson beat you with his arm at all costs. Well, you might be right about that. I mean, it's a very even matchup. I'm not going to say that I'm going to bet, uh, make a big bet on the Baltimore Ravens. I, I like the Ravens. I don't love the Ravens. I, I think it's a pretty even matchup. But if you're if you're looking at a team that can match up with the Bills and cause some problems, I think the Ravens are a bigger concern, possibly, than the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is the most dangerous player in the NFL. But I think all around, if you're looking at a complete team, I think the Ravens cause more problems potentially for the Bills and the Chiefs do. Mahomes aside, actually, uh, you can't push Mahomes aside. But it's going to be interesting. If it snows Saturday night, I think that plays into Buffalo's hands a little bit better because Lamar Jackson's never played in the snow. Uh, but, again, I really think, Brad, the one weakness Buffalo has is run defense. And you're, you're looking at the number one rushing offense in the NFL. And that's, uh, that's going to be something that the Bills are going to have to uh, shore up on, on uh, Saturday or it's going to be a big problem. I, I expect this game to come down to a field goal either way, and obviously it's lined that way. And w- another reason, like I said, why I'm, I'm siding with the Ravens is you have Justin Tucker, who's a, probably the greatest long-range uh, kicking weapon I've ever seen in the NFL. So that's just another – that's kind of the wild card in the matchup. I like the Bills. I think uh, what Josh Allen's done has been phenomenal. And uh, Stephon Diggs has had an incredible year as well. And don't forget, you know, they got two other big-time receivers. The Bills are a legit team. They could win the Super Bowl. I really think the team that wins this game is going to put a serious scare into Kansas City next week. I agree with that. Matt, I just got two more things for you. Uh, One reason I'm so hyped up about this game, your former uh, co-host and colleague over at VSIN, John Von Tobel, I've made a bet with him on Twitter. And so if the the Bills win this game, I've got bragging rights uh, on Mr. Von Tobel and uh, the rest of uh, the Josh Allen naysayers uh, and and kind of your click over there, humans. So I'm excited to see what happens. It's going to be a great matchup. (laughs) But uh, the last thing I got for you, Matt, 
Say it again. Record, Brad. I've never, never been an anti-Josh Allen guy. I've always felt like Josh Allen's got the tools uh, to be a, a star quarterback in the NFL. I know a lot of guys talk trash about Josh Allen, but I've liked him since college. And, you know, you have to give a guy time. You know, when he was a rookie, there were a lot of people wanting to bash him and say he couldn't throw with accuracy, blah, blah, blah. Give a guy three or four years. We're seeing in the third year that Josh Allen has become a superstar type of quarterback who can make all the throws, who can run the ball, who can lead a team to big wins. Yeah, he collapsed in the playoffs last year in the fourth quarter against the Houston Texans, but that was his second year in the league. You know, give the guy a chance. So I've been a pro Josh Allen guy. Well, unfortunately for you, Matt, uh, whether whether you are or not, you're guilt by association because your best friend, Adam Hill, is a Josh Allen hater. So even though you may have been on it, unfortunately you hang out with that jabroni, and now you're guilty by association. So I've got to tie you in with your old boy, Adam Hill, in the Josh Allen hate club. So uh, last thing, Matt, before I let you go. Uh, so make a case for me, if, if you're dying to bet the L.A. Rams this week, make a case of how they stay in this game at Lambeau. I lost you there for a second. After you said best friend, Adam Hill. I haven't ranked best friend <laughs> since I was in, like, second grade. But, uh, what, what was <laughs> All right, Matt, let me see. Yeah, so make a case for the L.A. Rams this week. If you're dying to bet the Rams plus six and a half against the Packers in Lambeau, make a case for me of, of how the Rams stay within this number. I really don't want to make a case for the Rams. I think the Packers are going to win the game. To me, this is a dog that walks in with a limp because the Packers uh, have the MVP at quarterback and the Bills have Jared Goff, who just had his uh, thumb repaired on December 28th. And with two good thumbs, Josh, or Jared Goff's not very good in cold weather. Uh, the case you would make is the Rams can run the ball on Green Bay, which they probably can. And the Rams have the number one scoring defense in the NFL, which is really good on all three levels, and they're going to cause Aaron Rodgers some problems. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I don't, I'm not really crazy about laying the points. I've been on the Rams bandwagon uh, quite a few times, including last week in Seattle. But I think the Packers win this game. I'm not going to mess around with the dog here. Brad, I'm going to put the Packers on a teaser or money line uh, play to win the game straight up. Hey, Matt, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to jump on with me, man. Uh, we'll be in touch soon. It's been a while. Take care. Be safe out there. Hey, you got it. You bet. Thanks. Thanks, brother. That's Matt Humans, VSIN editor, host, My Guys in the Desert. Check him out, vsin.com. And uh, Spencer the Wiz jumped back on here. Uh, had to go with Matt Humans with the Bills game because, look, I, I got some wagering with the Bills. Um, you know, I've been high on them all year. This could be a great game, Spence, but you were with me a little bit. You are not sold on Lamar Jackson as a passer, and I believe you're convinced that Buffalo can win this game. Yeah, I don't see why they couldn't. I mean, I just – I mean, they only scored 20 points in that matchup, and Tennessee had an okay defense, but at no point like in the season were they world beaters. So they had a few weak moments, and Lamar Jackson was not impressive passing the ball in that game either. They won the game on his legs, obviously. I mean, that feels obvious to say. I mean, that's how they win most of their games. But still, I don't know. I, I, for some reason, there's just something about it that I, I don't think they can get it done. He has to be more developed as a passer. Maybe that comes with better weapons. But at this point, I, I think he has, you know, not the worst weapons in the world, certainly. I don't know how you feel about that. But uh, he's got to develop if they're going to at least make a Super Bowl. 
uh, and a, to win a game against the Bills who are playing really good football. That Colts team cannot be uh, underestimated. I mean, they played well all year, and they had a chance to win that game. And I think the Colts have been consistently better than the Ravens have been all season. Spence, I don't think you have to overthink this one, man. I think so many people want to talk about statistics and run defense and this. To me, if it's snowing out there and it's super cold, you have got to force Lamar Jackson to beat you throwing the football. You have an all-pro corner in Tredavious White. You line him up on the best receiver, and you fill that box. And if you've got to rotate some of your defensive linemen, Ed Oliver or Jerry Hughes or great pass rushers, and if you've got to put them inside and move outside – You've got to spy Lamar Jackson, and you've got to play that read option, and you've got to put him in the ground, and, and you've got to force him to beat you deep. And if he and if he beats you deep once, make him beat you deep twice. The Ravens aren't going to win this game seventeen to thirteen. They're going to have to at least score twenty three points, in my opinion, Spence. And I think you have got to force Lamar Jackson to throw the ball. Throw it against Tredavious White. He's going to want to hit some of those underneath crossing routes with the tight ends. And he can be accurate at times in those intermediate routes, Spence. But if you could disrupt him a little bit and you could hit him in the running game, I think that's going to make him a little more uncomfortable in the passing game. I know Buffalo statistically has not been great on defense all year, but they certainly played a little bit better here the last month of the season. Yeah, I mean, you said it. He can make those passes, but he just doesn't simply simply put do it all the time and that's what you need out of a playoff quarterback running quarterbacks have never won a super bowl in my lifetime i mean colin kaepernick was probably the closest thing but even that year after he went to the super bowl he kind of got figured out and the whole running quarterback seemed to be figured out too now is lamar jackson a much better runner than kaepernick ever was he was uh but again defenses can scheme for that if he beats the bills with his arm and again you talked about Tredavious white I would be absolutely shocked. Now, it is easier said than done to stop a guy at, at his prime when he's running the ball like that. You know, you can't just, ooh, easy peasy, you know. But uh, I don't. I see the Bills winning this game, and I see them winning handily. Unless there is snow, then, of course, the game's going to be a lot closer. Depends on how much snow there is. I mean, when we say snow, do we mean like a little bit of fall from the sky, or is it going to be packed where they're shoveling on the field? I don't know. Spence, I think it really comes down th – this is my – football for dummies breakdown. If the turnover margin stays within two, either way, positive or negative, I don't care if the Bills turn it over twice, Ravens none. If the Buffalo Bills can run the ball 12, 15 times plus with their running backs, they will win the game. Unless they have 20 penalties or they have seven turnovers or something crazy like that. Or, or you know, just you can't have key turnovers, right? Josh Allen... And this is on Brian Dable. He's been so predictable, Spence, this last month of the season. They drop back and pass the ball pretty much 85 90% of the time. They have got to manufacture run yards and have, uh, whether it's Gabriel or whether it's Diggs coming off the end, they've got to fake these jet sweeps. They've got to establish a run with Singletary, and they've got to try to pound it a little bit. And I know that's not their strength, but you can get the, the – defenses and the Ravens defense off balance by bringing motion and bringing other ways to manufacture runs. And I know they're going to want to run some QB sneaks and some QB uh, sweeps, and that's fine too. I mean, I wouldn't want to see Josh Allen manufacture 15 to 17 runs, especially since they're so strong running or um, I mean, throwing the ball, but the running backs have to be involved in this game. They have to Spence because if he just drops back in the shotgun and does a couple shotgun handoffs, shotgun fakes, they're going to blitz the hell out of him. 
and it may be tough. And it may be tough to, to build the consistency because, look, like I said, in that Pittsburgh game, Pittsburgh brought heat in the first half, and Buffalo's offense was awful. That game turned on a pick six late in the first half, and then the Bills went off from there. Um, look, I've watched Stephon Diggs his whole career in Minnesota. He's a, an excellent receiver, but you can shut him down if you focus on him. So the other guys are going to have to step up, and John Harbaugh is a really good defensive coach. They're going to be re- well-prepared in this game. I mean, look, they held the Titans to 13 points. The Titans could throw it and run it as far as I'm concerned, and they can run it with, with Ryan Tannehill. This is going to be a really good game. I'm really rooting for the Bills here, Spence, because, you know, I, I'm on their bandwagon big time. Uh, but this is going to be a great matchup. Lamar, The two young quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Man, I think whoever comes out of this game, like Matt Human says, has a real good opportunity of going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I just looked it up just to make sure I'm not crazy, but uh, I, I know they just stopped with the best running back in the league to a very putrid, I think it was like 50 yards or something putrid, I should say. Uh, but the Ravens were uh, the bottom, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. They're the sixth worth team in the league in, in rushing defense. Their front seven has not played well at all. And now how that happened last week, I think they were – I think the Titans were trying to rely too much on the run game last week and they weren't willing to adjust throughout the game. And that's probably what killed them. So if the Bills were able to run the ball and find a little bit of success, the play action might just kill the Ravens completely. So that'll be the key. Can the Ravens have string two good games together against the rush or will the Bills fall into the trap of trying to pass the ball too much? Yeah. And the thing is, is the playoff play action will work so much more effectively if the Bills can come out and run the football on first down and even second down. And I know they don't want to get away from their identity. Our identity is to sling it. But you can't be that predictable at this point in the season. You've got to win in the trenches. And I think the Bills should want to come out early, especially with the weather, keeping Lamar Jackson off the field by trying to establish the run game on first and second down. Singletary can get the job done. And even if it's getting him some touches out of the backfield, I think the running backs are going to be really important for Buffalo in this game. So I'm excited to watch it. And I think it's one of the early games on Saturday. So it'll be kicking it off really early spent. So it's going to be a great one. We'll be texting a little bit over the weekend for these big playoff games. Let's keep it in the AFC spent to go to the next matchup in the AFC, the Cleveland Browns and Kansas City Chiefs. And the Cleveland Browns, look, they were probably the most impressive team of this past weekend in the playoffs as they got off to an extremely fast start on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they were out 28 nothing, something like that. This is without uh, – four or five-year coaches, including your head coach, Kevin Stefanski, your offensive line coach, a special teams coach, Mike Prefer was the interim coach. And let's give the Cleveland Browns credit. What a performance in the playoffs. I don't care how bad the Steelers are or aren't. To do that in the playoff setting is really big. And they've got a lot of confidence going into Arrowhead. And a Chiefs team and a Patrick Mahomes who has not played in over three weeks, they have not covered a spread in what seems like four months, Spencer the Wiz, and they're laying double digits here. I don't know that this is just like a light switch. And just because you're the champs, you're going to show up against a team that can run the ball and just light them up. Kansas City was down double digits in both of their playoff games leading up to the Super Bowl last year. I think they could be in for a close game here against Cleveland, Spence. Yeah, well, yeah, to talk about the Browns for a second, I mean, they did what few, very, very few franchises were able to do. And let's get rid of the stink around your franchise. I mean, the whole idea going into the game is the same old Browns. That was the whole thing that the Steelers were boasting about in the locker room. Same old Browns, same old Browns. And they came out 28 to nothing. I mean, really shocked everybody and shocked me too. I mean, to do that without your coach, to do it without a bunch of different players, I mean, it should have been a disgruntled mess, but they played with a lot of heart. And that's kind of what they are. To me, they're America's team right now, I, like the stereotypical type of, uh, oh, like everyone's rooting for them. So 
if they're going to do it, they're going to have to do it against the Chiefs. And I know they're, they they were 14-2, and two, keep in mind, but they did play so many close games. And when your defense just looks worse and worse, and it is going to get worse as time goes on, because that contract they gave Patrick Mahomes, that's going to take up some cap space. And as we're still in COVID, the, the uh, you know, the, the total cap space is going to go down regardless of what they say. There's not money coming in. There's no way. I don't know how they're paying these guys, advertisers, obviously, but you're going to lose some money by not having 70,000 fans inside the stadiums at all times. I don't know, but it's one of those things where can the Cleveland Browns, like they, they get, they get the stink off their franchise, but now they have to take it to another level of not just winning a playoff game, but going further in the playoffs. I'm not sure if I'm convinced too much of that, Uh, but still it's been fun to watch what they've been able to do. Uh, I think the chiefs will win this one, but the further they go into the playoffs, the more, t- I mean, everyone has a target on their back too. I mean, that's a, a little bit of an underrated aspect. When you win the Super Bowl, when you win the title, everyone is coming for you because you're the one who took it from everyone last year. Spence, we know the identity of the Cleveland Browns, and, and that's where I'll give them credit. I've been hard on Kevin Stefanski, of course, because um, I, I'm just not ready to crown this guy yet. They had a pretty good team on paper last year. They are doing this without Odell Beckham Jr., but they have an identity, Spence, and they're sticking to that. And then I had the identity is to run the football and then to use utilize the play-action pass. I did not like what Cleveland did up big in that game. They continued to pass the ball, and they let Pittsburgh hang around. You, when you're up 28 points, you should be pounding that football, taking time and time off the clock, especially late in the game. Cleveland didn't do that enough for me. I We know they can run the football, What did they do? I don't think they play well from ahead, Spence. I know that sounds crazy, but they've led a couple of really big leads three times this year. So what are they going to do if they get get out on fire in this game and get out ahead? I mean, I don't know that that's going to happen, but I don't know that Cleveland will be able to finish if they get ahead in this football game, and that's what worries me. I think they can. I think they can get out to a lead on Kansas City. Kansas City has not proven to me anything. I don't care that they're 14-1. and They have played way too many close games, and it's not the exact same team as last year. And even if it was, they were down double digits in two games leading into the Super Bowl. I think this is going to be an interesting game, and I'm interested to see if Cleveland gets out to a lead, how they play with that lead, Spence. Yeah, no, and I talked about that too all season long. I mean, go back, going all the way back to the Cowboys game, like a game that should have never have even been in conversation, obviously. I ended up being just a wild, wild finish. Uh, But in any case... You know, you could say last week maybe it was a result, you know, not running the ball a bunch of times. Uh, you could say was they didn't have their head coach. So his decision making wasn't the best. But Stefanski's also made those. And can he fix season long errors uh, in like just ha- seeing one game away? Maybe seeing it from an objective standpoint did change his uh, kind of viewpoint on the way he calls games. That's a lot to ask of somebody. It's like asking John Gruden to stop being such a conservative coach and. Uh, like within games of the season uh it's just not going to happen so if they do get a lead let's say get off to a 14-0 start that might be worse for them than playing a close game i I don't know why it just seems that way and do you have any thoughts on the uh, total in this game do you think this is high scoring low scoring what does your gut tell you about how this game goes points wise yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes has been a little stagnant in the last few weeks. Even when he did place, he's throwing on more interceptions than we've ever seen him in his career. That comes with a lot of obscure decision-making from him. I know he can make any throw, and he has made some of the most miraculous throws you've ever seen in your life, but that they are risky at the end of the day, and they're not always going to be perfect. And we saw how active Cleveland was last week with four interceptions. I don't think they'll get four in him this week. 
but the, to talk about the point total, yeah, it seems way too big for me. Like the Chiefs haven't been explosive as we'd like them to be, and I don't think the Cleveland Browns consistently score. You know, they scored a lot of points against uh, the Steelers, but that came off of like four turnovers. That's not going to happen. I'm really big into the under here. Spence, let's move to the NFC. Let's start off with Tampa Bay and New Orleans Saints. And this game is in Mercedes-Benz in the Superdome. And the Saints are three-point favorite. The Saints did win two of the first three matchups. Spence, how do you think this game lines up? What does what your gut tell you about how this one matches up? Breeze and Brady, big quarterback battle with these two. This is it. This is uh, the big game of the season. There's, there's nothing uh, better than this. Uh, I don't know. I mean... Gosh, this is like one of those things. It's just kind of teeter-totter. I'm going to put it all on the line. I've been saying all season I don't believe in the Saints. I just think that they're going to fizzle out at some point. They're too hot. Drew Brees is not going to be playing well to, to the finish of the Super Bowl. He's already played one game, but that was so easy. You play the Bears. It doesn't get better than that if you're trying to walk into the playoffs and get acclimated everything. That connection Antonio Brown and Tom Brady had last week was – I mean, it is, it's developing really quickly. I mean, I think Antonio Brown's first game, he had like 30 or 50 yards, but it's going to keep getting better and better. And they still have all these weapons I would barely even talking about. Rob Gronkowski is still good for a big game at any point in time. Mike Evans, of course, was playing injured. I think he'll be better off this week. And the Saints defense is going to have to hold. But if they kind of let some things through, I don't think the Saints are going to be able to keep up. Alvin Kamara is going to have to have another one of his Alvin Kamara is going to have to have one of those big games, which he can, of course, but can you depend on him to get six touchdowns or four touchdowns every single week? I don't think so. So I, I'm a, I'm on Tampa Bay here. And Spence, don't forget Leonard Fournette ran the ball pretty well in the wildcard game against a good Washington football team defense. This is going to be a really good game, Spence. And I want to go back to something I said probably about nine weeks ago. And when people were questioning the Bucs and we don't know what the Bucs are going to do, remember what I said, and we'll find this clip if Tampa Bay wins this weekend. When playoff time hits, it's all cards out the window. It's Tom Brady time. And Tom Brady played in a close game against a team they were better than this week. You're going on the road again, but we're talking about the divisional round now. Tom Brady is so good in the divisional round, Spence. And I think he's just going to bring a little something extra to this game. And I think the Saints are going to have their hands full stopping the weapons of Tom Brady. And I think Tom Brady is going to be on point in this game. It's going to be up to the Tampa defense. Can they force Drew Brees into a turnover or two? And can they contain Alvin Kamara? Look, the Bears holding the Saints under 30 points was pretty impressive last week. This is going to be a really good game. And I, I want to lean Saints, but my better judgment tells me, Spence, during this time of year, it's Tom Brady time. And he's going to avail elevate the play of everybody else and you watch the catches these guys make you mentioned Antonio Brown Rob Gronkowski Scotty Miller who not a lot of people talk about Mike Evans all these guys are going to perform at the highest level watch out for that and it's, I'll tell you a key for the Saints also Mike Thomas is back in the lineup Michael Thomas is a top five receiver when healthy and he's going to play an important role. Can they get hits on Drew Brees? This is going to be a really great game, Spence, that I'm really excited to watch. Uh, but I'm going to lean Tampa Bay with you. I'm going to take plus three in that matchup. 
Yeah, you just never know. And uh, Mike Evans, or not Mike Evans, but Michael Thomas does make a difference, obviously. And if there is a, a point of contention that the Buccaneers aren't just going to be able to keep up is they don't have the best defense. And going into the season, everyone hyped them up. I never believed it. They're going to have to get to Drew Brees and sack him. If they can get three sacks on Drew, on Drew Brees this game, they will win. But if he's protected, he will have a bit of a field day. They're going to have to try to force a few turnovers I think that'll be big for the Buccaneers because they're going to give up probably 27 points but I, I do feel like the Buccaneers can score 30 plus I, I don't see why they couldn't Spence I, I really think top to bottom this playoff schedule is going to be great this week I think every game is going to be a really good game and I'm excited to check it out and I think every football fan and sports fan out there should be as well let's hit the last game in the NFC the Green Bay Packers at home after the bye week uh, the banged up LA Rams come to town uh, and Spence this is going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, a lot of people trying to make a case for the LA Rams. How do you make a case for the Rams here? Sell me on how the Rams stay in this game. Well, they had a lot of success running the ball last week against Seattle. Now Seattle's defense bad. It is, but we've seen this green Bay defense look vulnerable at times. Jared Goff is going to have to play a limited role, which he will. And hopefully they'll have Blake Bortles activated too, in case Jared Goff really can't go. And we know there's a little bit of magic there with Blake Bortles. I'm kind of rooting for him. I don't even know why. Uh, but another week, you know, to heal the injury is probably better. Although playing last week may have stunted his recovery a little bit. In any case, this Rams defense is no joke. I mean, we know that. They can dominate this matchup if they so please now Aaron Rodgers gets the ball out of his hands so fast which is probably the big problem here uh so look nothing's really going for the Rams except that they have the experience of going to the Super Bowl but so does Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers I for some reason my gut tells me the LA Rams are going to upset this team I don't know why I don't even know if I'll take them I'll probably take them on a ticket but I guess for the show I'll take Green Bay at minus seven <laughs> so I'm trying to hedge my own bet here so for the show's sake I'll take do, minus you can't seven. do that Spencer the winners come on you know how things work around here but look Aaron Donald's not 100 he's the best defensive player in the entire NFL uh he may have some torn cartilage in his ribs those other defensive linemen uh Fox and and uh Joseph played fantastic for the Rams last week. Their defense is no joke. And without David Bakhtiari, uh, the all-pro tackle for Green Bay, Matt LaFleur, the offensive – he's the head coach, but offensive play caller as well. He is going to have to come up with a really good, uh, well-called game. And I think Green Bay is going to want to establish the run and get the ball out of Aaron's hands quickly because that pass rush can't get to you. They were all over Russell Wilson. They made him look like quite the amateur – this week and made me look bad in my proclamation for how great Russell Wilson is. So this defense is no joke. But remember, this Rams team almost got beat by the New York Giants. They got dominated by the New York Jets. Uh, I think the Rams are going to struggle offensively. I love Sean McVay as a play caller. But man, Jared Goff in this cold weather. Green Bay's defense has played better, Spence. On Thursday night against the Tennessee Titans, they really shut down Derrick Henry, and their defense played fantastic. So I think they're going to be comfortable in these elements, and I think that's going to bode for a lot of trouble for the Rams. Uh, Mason Crosby, solid kicker in these elements. Now, a great matchup is going to be Jalen Ramsey against Devontae Adams. That is going to be fun to watch because nobody's been able to stop Devontae Adams. Jalen Ramsey is one of the best in the league. Will he be able to do it? That's going to be a great matchup. But Aaron Rodgers will go elsewhere. Bob Tony in the tight end. Uh, should be a Pro Bowler this year. He's got ten plus touchdowns. Uh, you got uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, who is a deep, deep threat. 
Alan Lazard from Iowa State is a, when he's healthy, he's really good. I think this week off is going to do great for Green Bay, and I think Aaron Rodgers is on a mission this year, especially after the controversy of Green Bay moving up in the first round and draft quarterback Jordan Love. I think this is Aaron Rodgers' year. I think they win this week, and I think Green Bay will make it to the Super Bowl for the NFC spends. Yeah, they very well could, and obviously they're, they're going to be favored to do that, especially with the Seahawks out now. We know how big that rivalry was, and that's enough to feel a, a playoff upset for the most part. But cold weather is probably the biggest factor in this game. Football is such a weird sport, in my opinion. The fact that you can play games that are so drastically different it's almost like playing at Wrigley Field in a sense where, you know, you have the vines in the back that can cause double plays instead of home runs and all that kind of weird stuff. So if any team's going to be comfortable playing in snow, it's going to be Green Bay. And they decimated the Titans in that matchup, like you said. So, yeah, I, I you can't go against the Packers here. I mean, all the money's going to go on them. I expect this line to probably go to seven and a half uh, very quickly. Spence, I think this game's 30 to 13. That's my score prediction. And, uh, and I, and I think Green Bay wins pretty easily. I, I've got a small ticket on them. I've got them on a teaser. Uh, I've got them every way you could pretty much look. So um, I think Green Bay has an opportunity here to uh, to really have a great game and, and have a lot of momentum going into the NFC Championship game where, where they will be at home again if they win this game. So great, great set of games for uh, divisional round weekend here. Rams, Packers. And also in the NFC, Saints, Buccaneers, and then in the AFC side, you've got to start it off with Bills, Ravens, and then finish up with Browns, Chiefs. So it's going to be a great football weekend, and we're excited to watch it. We're excited to bet it and then recap it on Tuesday's show. More NFL news, Spence. The Jacksonville Jaguars look like they've pulled the trigger on Urban Meyer. It looks like Urban Meyer, it's almost official, will be the next head football coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, it's very interesting, Spence. Urban Meyer makes his way to the NFL. What are your initial thoughts on Urban Meyer going back to North Florida to be the Jacksonville Jaguars' new head coach? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel a little – I feel a way about this in two different ways. I mean, the last thing we heard about him is he got fired for the most part. They say he stepped down, but he got fired for hiding a sexual – or not sexual assault. It was a domestic abuse from one of his assistant coaches. Now, he didn't do the domestic abuse, but he did know about it and didn't say anything about it. Again, that's the last we've really talked about him ever in the sports world. So now he comes back in the limelight. I guess he's hoping everyone forgot that. Probably have. I mean, the the U.S. attention span is probably about two months long before we get bored and go on to the next thing. And we end up just forgetting stuff altogether. So I, the reason I'm bringing this up, besides the fact that it's just true, is the Jaguars are another franchise desperately trying to get rid of the stink like the Browns have. And when you bring a guy like that in who you don't know if he's like adjusted or if you can trust the guy, in my opinion, I think that's a really big offense and not, it's not being talked about nearly enough. So can they, uh, you know, turn things around? I'm sure. I mean, he's a good coach at Ohio State. He wasn't bad, but we've also seen what college systems can do. Ohio State has been wildly successful this year. Now, they didn't win in the uh, championship game or anything like that, but they got there. And the fact that they've been able to sustain, sustain so much success, you know, since he left might be pretty bad for Jacksonville. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I think the situation's great. He's going to be able to bring in the coaching staff he wants to. You're going to draft the top quarterback prospect in many years, Trevor Lawrence. Um, you've got some weapons. You've got LaVishka Chenault. You've got DJ Chark on the outside. Running back Robinson, who was fantastic as a rookie this year. 
Uh, if you can have a successful draft, you've got the salary cap room to go all in. Uh, Urban Meyer, he, he does like to hop around a little bit. How long does he stay in Jacksonville? How much power does he have? I think this is a great storyline for the NFL. And look, Brian Bravo makes a good point here. There's a lot of coaches that have been involved in controversy. It just kind of, kind of, kind of goes away after a little while. Is that right? No, but that's just how professional athletics are. Guys get away with more stuff on this level than they do anywhere else. And that's just the price to play. Really. It's unfortunate, but that's how it is. And you can talk about that from coaches, from players, top to bottom. That's really how it is in the infrastructure of this country. If you've got more power and notoriety, you get away with more stuff. It sucks, but um, that's just how it's going to be. And if people want to protest outside of the games for Urban Meyer not to be a coach again, that's their right. That's their prerogative. But uh, I think you're, you know, trying to climb an uphill battle there. Um, and from a sports perspective, you know, you can say what you want, but it's going to be interesting to see what this guy can do in Jacksonville with all the pieces at his disposal. Look, Jacksonville less than five years ago was in the AFC championship game led by Blake Bortles. So this franchise, even though they have stunk the past couple of years, they're not a complete laughing stock. Okay. They've been to more AFC. They've been to more conference title games than a lot of franchises have in their entire lifetime. Uh, and I think Jacksonville has been to, to two, maybe three uh, AFC title games. Um, and that's more than the Detroit lions have ever been in, in the NFL. So look, this is going to be very interesting. Trevor Lawrence is going to be an amazing draft pick to start your franchise out. Urban Meyer had success starting off at Bowling Green. He went to Utah where he got Alex Smith's career off the ground, coaching the Utah Utes led by Alex Smith to an undefeated season. Moved to the University of Florida where he had monumental success, winning national titles and, of course, a Tim Tebow-led team. And then obviously there were some off-the-field issues that were swept under the rug involving some of those Florida football players. Uh, then Urban moved on to Ohio State and had a lot of success. And you mentioned the cover-up with the domestic issue with one of the coaches on his staff. All that being said, Urban Meyer still transitioned to television. He worked for Fox Sports as an analyst this past season, and now he looks to be back in his first stint in the NFL. We've seen college coaches that have not had success in the NFL, most notably Nick Saban, who is the greatest college football coach of all time, did not have a lot of success. But I think sometimes you got to give guys time. I don't think everybody right away – comes in and inherits the type of culture and franchise that equates turning things around. I think Kevin Stefanski and the Browns' success, that they were able to make some moves in the previous regime and acquiring the right players. Even though a lot of people were not high on Baker Mayfield, he fits perfectly with some of the running backs that they have, and they have dynamic running backs and a good offensive line so they can create an identity. So I'm, I think it makes it a little easier when you're able to create an identity on offense and an identity on defense very quickly. And I think with Trevor Lawrence and the coaching staff, Urban will have that opportunity. And I think it's going to be very interesting to watch because they're going to be in a division that's quite winnable. I don't think Tennessee and Indianapolis necessarily have a stranglehold on that division forever. I mean, what is Indianapolis going to be at the quarterback position next year? We don't know. Tennessee, they're very inconsistent. Their defense was awful. So I think it's very possible that Jacksonville – can have their name in the mix to compete for that division. Maybe not next year, but in the next three years, Spence. Yeah, and it's not like they have they didn't not have a one win roster. They have a lot of talent sprinkled all about. I like their draft pick this year. Uh, we know about Miles Jack, obviously. Uh, Joe Schobert is also a good linebacker. Very good linebacker. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you can go down the list. It's not like they're devoid of anything, you know, worthy of looking at. And I like their uh, chassis and their uh, pick from LSU in the draft. They obviously got CJ Henderson, who had one of the worst rookie blunders I've ever seen in my life where he forgot to tackle somebody because he still thought he was playing in college football rules. But still, like I said, it's not like you're, uh, you know, taking on the Raiders situation where there is zero Pro Bowl talent on your defense. There are guys sprinkled in there that can play football, and it's only going to get better. You know, they're probably going to be bad next year, which is perfectly fine. You're still going to have Tennessee Titans. The Colts are still going to be good. So you have another bad season. So that gives you, you know, whatever they get in this year's draft. Hopefully they find something in the second round and beyond. But after that, you get a free first-round pick to to kind of the big thing. You fill up the big hole, whatever you feel like is going to that season. Probably get closer to seven wins. Look, Urban Myers is a winner. I'm not saying he's bad at coaching. Obviously, this guy has went everywhere and success follows him. So I don't think it's a coincidence at all. Uh, and he's going to get his guy. I mean, hopefully Trevor Lawrence is the you know franchise guy that they think he is or can be. I'm not sure I'm convinced of that just yet. But, you know, I, we've seen big success stories and being the first overall pick, you know, you saw it with this year with the Bengals. He lived up to the bill. And I just think college are preparing guys a lot more for the NFL. I think it was they were so separated before. Now a lot of coaches are moving to pro-style offenses to get their kids ready for the NFL. So I think Trevor Lawrence will probably be right up there with that. They can win football games. It's not going to be anytime soon. But if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, I mean, this is the most talk they've gotten in my lifetime, I feel like. That's Spencer the Wiz. Follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. Brad Restituto, your host, the rest stop every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 o'clock Pacific time. On the Twitch app on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. And of course, live on the Facebook page and on the Twitter account at Brad the Believer. And make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel, Brad the Believer. It's got all the podcasts, and we're going to come out with some new content as the 2021 year continues to move forward. Spence, more NFL and coaching news. The Philadelphia Eagles earlier this week cut ties with Doug Peterson, and it talked about, they talked about, the philosophy is being different. And I was very hard on Doug Peterson after putting in Nate Sudfeld in that season finale, like they were just quitting. It seems more and more that that was a decision that was made from the higher ups and Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, um, the GM, he slipped in my mind. I don't know why off the top of my head. Um, but I, I know, I don't know why his name is slipping my mind. Howie, Jeffrey Roseman. Lurie, Howie Roseman. That's right. Howie Roseman. Uh, nice save there, Spence Roseman and Lurie, they were looking to go Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson wanted to move on with Jalen Hurts. That's what the rumor is. Either way, you can't keep a locker room after you pull Jalen Hurts in a final game where guys, they don't give a crap about draft picks. They're playing for jobs. And you put Nate Sudfeld in, in a one score game. You don't, you can't have control of, of that locker room after that. In my opinion, I think you lose them no matter. You, you just can't take orders in the middle of a game from anybody but you and your coaching staff. I don't care what they say and because you cannot lose a locker room. And I think that's part of what happened. And the Eagles moved on from Doug Peterson, who won a Super Bowl not that long ago. Uh, so what do you think the Eagles do now at this point? Are they going to go young? Are they, are they looking at a Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma? Are they going to try to persuade one of these young and up-and-coming college coaches? Uh, did, they say, did they interview Eric Bieniemy? Uh, what's going to happen to the Eagles head coaching position here and what route do they go? It looks more and more like ownership and management want Carson Wentz in there. What would you do? Spence the whiz. Would you give Carson Wentz another opportunity with the new coaching staff and a healthy team? Or would you see what you can get with him in trade value? Yeah. I don't, what trade value are you going to get out of Carson Wentz is the best case scenario, a second round pick. 
they're not going to get a first for Carson Wentz, that's for sure. So as a GM, you have to decide if a second-round pick is enough, and then you have to say who's going to give you the second-round pick. The Steelers, I mean, the Steelers are going to look to plug in whoever they can at quarterback because I don't know if they're going to force Penn into retirement, but I don't think they're going to be playing him next season. Four interceptions in the first round of the playoffs against a division rival who they had basically you know, swept to the side saying that they don't matter. Uh, they got embarrassed for the most part. I mean, they did end up keeping it a little close, but not really. So I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to put my tin hat on in a second. I really think Doug Peterson signed some sort of NDA because the decision to take out Jalen Hurts, does a head coach really care that much about draft picks? Because if you do stuff like that, it's going to make it's going to make you look so bad like it did. So I feel like he got something in rough stairs that says to make this decision, the play calling in addition was just so bad at the end of that game. So because we're talking about like two weeks after they said that they're going to retain him. So to make this drastic decision, I mean, they are basically forced to. So they must have paid him something under the table. Say, don't say anything. Look, I appreciate your services. You want a Super Bowl. We made that decision to, for you not to do that. But hey, here's some money. Here's an NDA. Go off and be a head coach somewhere else. I think he will find another job or at least be another coordinator. This guy did coach a Super Bowl team when they were like 10-point dogs or something like that against the Patriots. So this guy has skill. But who they're going to place him with, I don't know. I mean, the trend seems to be college. Like I said, that bridge between college uh, and professional football seems to be closing a little bit. So the transition's a lot easier. I mean, back when, you know, like 20, 2005, the games were so drastically different. When Urban Meyer was coaching the Florida Gators, that offense obviously was nothing close to an NFL offense, but it was so successful at the time. So, yeah, maybe they will. I mean, Eric Bieniemy is the hottest coach in the free agency right now when it comes to head coaching. All these teams are going to have to wait to see where he decides to go. He'll get one of the vacancies. I think there's seven right now. And every team, Houston Texans finally added their name to that list and requested an interview for him. Uh, is the Eagles the top one? I feel like they should be one of the top choices to go if you're a free agent head coach. I mean, this is a division where a six-win team went to the playoffs. So if you in your mind think you're such a good head coach that you can get eight wins you probably make the playoffs and that looks better for you on your resume obviously and this is a very proud franchise if you're successful with the eagles it's going to take you really far so we'll see i mean we'll have to see like what kind of uh requests they put in i haven't seen it quite yet but i think coach will a uh, college coach will probably be at the top of their list spence this is a day and time in the nfl where the leash for a quarterback success is a lot shorter than it used to be Decades ago, where you allowed guys to sit behind a veteran starter and learn and give him all the leeway possible to succeed. Jalen Hurts showed some flashes, but it looks like, look, we're already, the Dolphins are already talking about moving on from Tua Tagovailoa. And I'm, I'm not saying all the Dolphins fans are personnel, but a lot of people are grumbling about that. A possible trade for Deshaun Watson and, and some of the other situations where Tua may not be the guy. Now, I have my personal opinion whether I think Tua is going to be a franchise quarterback or not that I've shared in the past, but that's not relevant to the short leash that some of these quarterbacks have. If Jalen Hurts gets the starting nod next year and doesn't show progression in his ability to read defenses and throw the football effectively, uh, we're going to hear more grumblings about another guy coming in if he decides to be the guy, and we don't know that. Uh, I, I like the I, I personally like Carson Wentz. I know that we're on different sides there. I think he's had a string of bad luck. I would love to have Carson Wentz as my quarterback, even though he I know he was bad this year. I think this was an anomaly. I think last year was an anomaly. I think the Carson Wentz that had an MVP-type season when things were going well is more of the Carson Wentz than the bad Carson Wentz. And I think re regardless of the situation, you will see that 
in the future. And Spence, you know how accurate I am with my quarterback evaluations. The only way I was off this year was Russell Wilson's awful performance in the playoffs. I will make a comeback with my Carson Wentz analysis. He will be back. He will be effective. He will be a successful quarterback in this league. I don't know with who. It may be the Eagles. It may be another team. But Carson Wentz is not done yet, Spence the Wiz. And <laughs> Hold on. You said you weren't wrong about any other quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky, you're saying, is still a good quarterback after what you saw in that playoff game? There's no way. Um, well, I don't know that I ever called Mitch a great quarterback, but I think he's got a lot of upside is what I said. So uh, I'm not I'm not ready to jump. Look, Trubisky threw a dime that was dropped right in that guy's hands. That completely changed okay, the entire well, game. Obviously, yeah. But the only thing upside he'll do is he's flipping my burger to the upside as it cooks on the other side at McDonald's. So uh, he's going to be out of the league very soon. No, I don't agree. Uh, but we'll, but you may be right on this one. I, I, I maybe have to take a pie on my allegiance to Mitch. Spence, let's go to your Las Vegas Raiders quickly. They hired a new defensive coordinator. Was it Gus Bradley that they, they hired? Is that right? It was, yeah. Gus Bradley had success uh, with with Seattle and their Super Bowl defense. Talk about your opinion on this hire. Are Raiders fans excited? What are your thoughts? It doesn't matter. That's the thought. We still have zero Pro Bowl talent. Zero Pro Bowl, not all pro, Pro Bowl talent. Guys who can basically make it in if you're half decent. If It doesn't matter. You could put the greatest defensive coordinator of all time on your team. If you don't have talent, you can't play defense. I don't know why the Raiders in their minds keep cycling through these defensive coordinators thinking something's going to change. If your players stink, you're going to stink. There's no two ways about it. It's not going to get better. The Raiders are going to take a terrible draft pick this year. They're going to reach for somebody, as Mike Mayak does every year. He never has drafted one player that's good, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think you should ever take a running back in the first round, so I'm not he took the worst receiver in the first round of all of them, probably going into the second round as well. So if you can't draft, if you can't put, get anybody on your defenses, all these guys are getting traded for six-round picks. All these Pro Bowl talents just sneaking under. Boop, boop, A.J. Bouye, Daniil Hunter. I'm, I don't – actually, I don't. I think he's still on the team. But you, there are tons of Pro Bowl talent getting po- tossed around with for very little – reason i mean the raiders have so many draft picks this year i don't think they're missing any i think they have additional ones so they should just start trading away all their picks if they can't pick anybody who's worth on the team maybe get some guy who you know is good but i'm just talking to a brick wall mike mack has no idea what he's doing spence the new york jets they made a move in the nfl coaching carousel they hired defensive coordinator robert sala from the san francisco 49ers i like this hire i think he's going to bring in um lafleur Matt LaFleur's brother as the offensive coordinator for uh, the 49ers now moving over to the Jets. I think, I don't know what they're going to do, Spence, with Sam Darnold. I think that's yet to be determined. I don't know that they know what they want to do yet, but I think Robert Saul is going to do a good job of changing the culture. They got some good talent over there. Uh, so I think the Jets made a good hire with Robert Sala. And also some news in the NFL, Spence, the Denver Broncos and John Elway, they hired George Payton to be their general manager. And if people don't know who he is, he was the assistant general manager of the Minnesota Vikings, and he was in that franchise for over 14 years. He's a really, really solid front office guy, and I think it's going to be a really good hire for the Denver Broncos. So all the Denver Broncos fans out there, you scored a good one uh, with George Patton as your new general manager. Spence, let's finish the show up with some NBA. I want to go over the scores tonight. The 76ers, they beat the Miami Heat 125-108. The Miami Heat have a lot of guys in – and uh, the COVID protocol, Shake Milton had 31 points for the Sixers. They got the cover. The Raptors get a 111-108 victory to get their third win of the season. 
I was on it, Spence. The Rockets, if there was any time for the Houston Rockets to play their best game, they were without John Wall. They were without Eric Gordon. They still beat the Spurs on the road with a 34-point fourth quarter. UNLV's own Christian Wood had 27 points, 15 rebounds. He missed four free throws, Spence, but he hit five threes. The Warriors, they lost by 10 tonight, 114-104 to the Denver Nuggets. And the Indiana Pacers had a really big night destroying the Portland Trailblazers, 111-87. to DeMontis Sabonis had 23 and 15. Spence, let's briefly talk about the Indiana Pacers and in this trade with the Brooklyn Nets. Victor Oladipo moves on. Uh, Karis LeVert's coming to Indiana. I like the move. What are your thoughts? Uh, I do like it. I mean, they're they're going to be they they have captured the attention of that team. I mean, their new coach. I mean, I give them a lot of flack for obviously getting rid of Nate McMillan. I thought he was a good head coach. I think he should have a job now. But uh, I. To beat the Portland Trailblazers without technically your best player, although Sabonis has easily kind of taken over that job, I, they're engaged, man. I, I don't – like, are they going to win anything in the playoffs? Probably not, but I, they keep proving everyone wrong. They're, like, going the gauntlet of every team and just crushing them. I don't know what to make of it. I mean, Karis LeVert is going to have his chance to be a franchise guy, which I think he can be. I think he could be kind of the next Bradley Beal. And if he does that, the Pacers' ceiling is very high, like Miles Turner – I like Sabonis, and I, I really like Harris LeVert. That is a guy who loves the game of basketball. That's Spencer the Wiz. Follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. And every Friday night, Spencer the Wiz has a live sports program here in Las Vegas on KSHP 1400 called Delivering Sports. Make sure you check that out and check out Spencer's YouTube channel, Blue Milk Boys Gaming. If you missed any part of the show, make sure you check out the podcast version on Spotify, Audio Boom, Google Podcasts, and iTunes. Search Landry Football Conference called The Rest Stop. We'll be underneath there. Make sure you give us a like, subscribe, and then follow us on our Twitch channel as well. Landry Football Conference Call, Chris Landry Football on Twitch. The rest stop will be underneath there. Everybody enjoy the football this weekend. We'll be back with you live on Tuesday, 9 o'clock. For the rest stop, signing off, everybody. Have a great weekend.